Okay, let's get into some songs, that's why you're here. I'm going to start with um, a brief general introduction about the book, and then we're going to look at verses, just the first four verses of the book, together in a bit more detail. So, Song of Songs, it's a book, it's a book of the Bible, it's a poem, it's very romantic, it's a love song, it's actually love song to end all love songs, that's why I've called this series Best Song Ever. My children will tell me, will tell you that's a hit by pop group called One Direction. <laughs> so what were some of your favourite love songs then? Just tell me. Perfect. And we had Have I Told You Lately? And... The song of Moses and Miriam after the Exodus. How does that start, Angela? <laughs> okay, well, only you. Oh, yeah, okay. Oh, we've lost from the past. Okay. This is this is the best song ever. I hope you're gonna. By the end of this year, I hope you'll be saying that with me. So, why study, why Song of Songs? Why study this book? Um, sometimes it's called Solomon's Song of Songs. Um, why did I start to, to study it and to teach it? I think it's a rather neglected book of the Bible. It's not taught or studied very much. How many of you have ever studied Song of Songs before? One person. <laughs> okay. Now that's normal. When I ask that question, often nobody puts their hand up. <laughs> okay. So just one of you. But you'll probably be familiar with some of the phrases from the book. Like, I am my beloved and he is mine. Let him lead me to the banquet hall and let his banner over me be love. We know these lines because they come from some of the older praise songs. Some of you will know that Jesus is referred to as the Rose of Sharon or Lily of um, the Valleys. And I'm sure you can think of other well-known verses or phrases that come from the song. Um, one of the reasons it's perhaps not studied or taught very much is that it's not an easy book, um, I'll tell you up front, but it is a, it's a treasure trove for the Christian who wants to grow in their knowledge and love of God. In Song of Songs you'll find that there, there is timeless truth for a world that seems to me is very confused about marriage it's got timeless truth on romance and intimacy. Um, for example, um, our, the world encourages people to fulfil their sexual tastes as they would. 
but the song is concerned with how one person can respond faithfully to the desires and the attractiveness of one other. Again, romance tends to be thought of as something um, that precedes marriage. Um, But in the song, romance precedes marriage, continues throughout marriage. It actually, romance characterises their relationship. We're going to get to all that, ladies. I'm assuming I'm wetting your appetite. And what if you're not married today? Maybe you were married. Maybe you're not married yet. Well, Song of Songs may not be the song that you want to sing at this point. I hope that we're all going to get to know one another. I'm going to get to know you and you're going to get to know me as we meet a month by month this year in this book. So I don't, I don't really know um, any of you very well. I don't know what's going on in your lives. And it might be hard for you to be here. Song, song may not be what you want to sing right now. But I encourage you strongly to study it anyway. Because when you study a book of the Bible, it's not you think doesn't directly speak to you, it will make all of the other words of the Bible that much richer, that much more precious to you. Because all scripture is God-breathed. Okay, so it's not an easy book, it's not studied much, but we're going to treat it like a book. It is a book, ladies. So that means if we're going to rightly understand it, we've got to read it as a book. We treat the Bible as we would any other serious literature. For instance, you wouldn't expect to understand or enjoy a novel, even, if you opened it up in the middle, would you? It wouldn't make any sense, and you wouldn't enjoy the story. And you wouldn't pick up a book in the library without checking who the author was, would you? So we we read the Bible, we study the Bible in the same way. And we're going to start with a little digging into the context. Think of me, I think in our church, and they call me the context police. I'm the context police, like the estate agent says, location, location, location. (laughs) Yeah, you've got it. Because a text without a context is a think about it it's a con okay so context there are a number of questions that we need to ask when we start a new book of the bible who wrote it when was it written what was the style of writing What are the main themes of the book? Things like that. These give us background and context to the book so that we can rightly understand it. If we don't do those things, we're going to end up in a total muddle and not understanding it rightly. So, some of you will know this. King Solomon wrote Song of Songs, most people think. And we know quite a bit about King Solomon He was king over Israel in the time of the monarchy. He came to the throne after the great king David. He was David's son. And it was a time of great wealth 
and prestige for Israel. And Solomon was known far and wide for his wisdom. It's widely believed that he wrote Proverbs and Ecclesiastes as well, which are the books that immediately precede Song of Songs. So that means Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Songs, they come in a section of the Bible that's known as wisdom literature. And what that means, wisdom literature uses language to teach principles that are generally true, but not universally. So Song of Songs being part of wisdom literature, it's pointing us towards decision-making and godly choices, wise life principles. It's not about precise technique. And it will be helpful, ladies, to remember this when we get into the parts of the book that are talking about sex. It's not a precision technical manual. It's, it's teaching godly principles that are generally true, but not universally and absolutely. Okay, so Solomon's the author of the book, which means it was written in the time the monarchy in Old Testament Israel. Now the style... Clearly, if you've read the book already, which I hope you have before this morning, it's Song of Songs is poetry. It's romantic love poetry. And you wouldn't read a poem like you would read history or prophecy or the letters of the New Testament, would you? You don't read a poem like you read a letter or like historical narrative. So in a sense, we're going, I'm not sure how the grades work here because my um, education wasn't in South Africa, but I'm gonna guess and I'm gonna say we're slightly back in the English class of standard five. <laughs> because it's a book. And so we use those things to read the book with our minds. I wasn't very good at poetry, but we need to read the song as poetry. And one of the ways that you, one of the outcomes of that is that um, you can, with poetry, there, there are often different ways you can interpret it, which is why... Um, there are many, many different interpretations out there about Song of Songs. You can almost make it mean anything you want, and I'm sure some of you know that. Um, we're going to read it as a poem, but within the confines of the whole Bible. It's still in the whole Bible. So there's things you couldn't say about it, and, and because the other parts in the Bible... Um, would contradict that and God never contradicts himself so for instance let me give you an example some interpretations would like to put um, sex into practically every verse in the song um, and 
But the wedding scene clearly comes in chapter 3 of eight chapters. So I would argue that because of what the rest of the Bible says about intimacy in marriage, it can't possibly be sex in chapters 1 and 2 because they don't get married until chapter 3. Do you see what I mean? So there are many, there's, a, there's a variety, many interpretations because it's a poem but it's only so far you can go. Okay? For example, let me just um, clarify that a bit. Song of Songs can be read as an erotic love story between a man and a woman who love one another deeply. They fall in love, they get married, they make mad passionate love, they have one or two fallouts, um, misunderstandings and then they live happily ever after that's the human story through the poem but there's also a heavenly story there's a picture in Song of Songs of committed love in human marriage but I believe that's just there to point us to the far far greater love that God has for his people in the Lord Jesus. Both are true. It's a poem. Both are true. So ladies, why is Song of Songs in the Bible? Well, at the human level, Song of Songs is a reminder that, that God created sexual love and it's good and it should be embraced with fidelity and delight. But Song of Songs is also there to show us the splendour and the loveliness of the Lord Jesus who is our perfect lover, bridegroom and king. They're both there in the song. I hope we're going to see this as we go through it. And that would be the best love song ever, wouldn't it? So, um, surprises. Yeah, well, we should read the Bible expecting to sometimes be surprised. A friend of mine in England says we, we should read the Bible with our antennae up, like waiting for, oh, I wasn't expecting that. It's like that. We should read the Bible like that, not, it's, it's so we don't assume we know what it's going to say. This is good. It makes our study richer. It makes us pay attention. And, and, and it, one of, there are a few surprises in the song. Um, one interesting detail to learn is that it was, this book was traditional for Jews to read every year in the run-up to the Passover as a reminder of God's faithful and exclusive relationship with Israel. Also that um, young men under 30 we're not allowed to read Song of Songs. <laughs> and isn't it interesting that Solomon should write Song of Songs when we know that in real life he had many wives, hundreds in fact, and what happened? He was led astray by them. They caused him to worship other gods. Why would God use him then 
to write the ultimate love song, a poem about an exclusive romantic relationship reserved for just two lovers. Why is Song of Songs placed immediately in the Bible after Ecclesiastes, which was also written by Solomon, and in which he says, he acquired a harem and refused his heart no pleasure. That's the book immediately before. And Ecclesiastes says that Solomon learned that having all those women did not bring him the joy that he desired. And Song of Songs follows that book. Isn't it interesting? And isn't it interesting that the first scene in the song is set in a beautiful garden? Actually, several scenes take place in a garden. It's a theme that runs through the book, the garden theme. Think about it famous garden in the Bible. Exactly. Why? What's the point? I hope we'll address these questions as we go along. Song of Songs is not an easy book. It's controversial. I think it's much misunderstood. We will need to work at it with our minds to understand it. So why study it? I've said this already this morning, so that it changes us so that we will all come to know in a deeper way the overwhelming, exclusive, committed love that God has for each of us. That God really loves you, ladies. This is my prayer for us all, that through our studies in the song, we will know in a deeper, truer way that God really loves us. How deeply he loves us. How deeply he loves you. And how deeply he loves me. And that that knowledge of that love will then change us. How will it change us? Well, it's love poetry. So it should change the way we love. And we don't have to be married to love, do we? There are obviously huge implications for those of us who are married in this book, for our husbands, for our families, our friends, those who need Jesus. But if we're not married, it should still change us. It should change how we love our church, our families, those who need Jesus. This book should change how we love, whatever our context. So, finally, let's turn to the text. Please um, open your Bibles, if you haven't already. Turn to Song of Songs in the Church Bibles. That's page 755. Oh, okay. The black one. Okay, are we all in Song of Songs? Is your nose on Song of so Solomon's Song of Songs? 
that is actually verse 1. Solomon's Song of Songs Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is more delightful than wine. Pleasing is the fragrance of your perfumes. Your name is like perfume poured out. No wonder the young women love you. Take me away with you. Let us hurry. Let the king bring me into his chambers. We rejoice and delight in you. We will praise your love more than wine. How right they are to adore you. Just so far. Wait, wait, we're going to get there. Wait, wait. Okay, let's start at the very beginning. Let's not leave out verse 1. Solomon's Song of Songs. Song of Songs. The Bible uses that phrase to mean supreme. It means the highest. You know that elsewhere the Bible speaks about Jesus as Lord of Lords or King of Kings. And that means, you know this ladies, that Jesus is the absolute Lord above all the other Lords. And he is the King above every other King. He's supreme. He is the greatest. And here we have Solomon's Song of Songs. You're ahead of me. We know that one king, from 1 Kings 5 that Solomon wrote over a thousand songs. A thousand and five to be precise. So what does that mean? That this song is the supreme song above all the other songs that Solomon wrote. It's better than all the thousand and five songs. That's why I call the series Best Song Ever. This love song, with meanings at both human and heavenly levels, it's the best song ever. You might like to think why that is and whether it is for you. The bride goes on, verse 2. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is more delightful than wine. Now, for those of you who've not studied the book before, which is most of you, allow me to give you a little summary of the plot. It's a simple plot told in a poem with essentially three characters. And they are called, the characters are called different names in different translations. Um, so, but I'm going to generally call them the king, the bride, and the friends. The friends have a small, small walk-on role. Essentially, it's two main characters, the king and the bride. So there's a king who decides he wants to get married. And he goes out into the countryside to find a bride. And he chooses a peasant girl, actually. Not at all the kind of girl he was expected to choose. Um, he was expected to choose someone from the royal court. And he goes out to the countryside and he chooses a peasant girl. 
and the story tells of their courtship, their wedding, the consummation of the wedding, and something of the challenges and delights of their relationship. Let's call that marriage. Here in verse 2, the bride says, Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is more delightful than wine. Let's for a moment think about the different kinds of kisses that there are in the Bible. There's the kiss of the formal greeting on the cheek. It means, hello, how are you? Then there's the kiss of forgiveness, like the prodigal son when he comes home in Luke 15. It says, his father ran to him and kissed him. And if you're a Christian today, then you've had that kiss of forgiveness from Jesus. You're forgiven. And there's another kind of kiss in the Bible, kiss of betrayal and deceit. Like Judas gave Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane when he hands him over to the soldiers. And this kiss says, well, you're my friend, but now I'm going to betray you. I expect some of us have had kisses like that. Then there's this kiss in verse 2. The bride says, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. Now this kiss, I think you can see already, this kiss speaks of of longing and intensity, of commitment. She's saying, only you do I love like this. This kiss is like after a marriage ceremony when the minister says, you may kiss the bride. It seals the ceremony between husband and wife and she's already saying, let him kiss me like that. at the human level let's just think on a spiritual level this kiss speaks of the believer who thinks of Jesus like this not physically of course that would be very weird and very wrong I mean emotionally thinks of Jesus like this intensely passionately there's no one else who loves me like you do, she's saying. We know that the one she's speaking of is a king. In days gone by, people used to kneel to kiss the hand of the king, but this bride wants nothing like that, nothing so formal. She's dissatisfied with that kind of formal relationship with her king. She doesn't want a relationship that's cold or formal or distant or polite. She wants a relationship that's intimate. This is the believer that longs for Jesus and the love that only he can give. And he is King Jesus, you see. 
he is a king he's the king of kings and the bride goes on because your love is more delightful than wine and wine was a luxury real luxury in those days it still is of course but it was considered a really extravagant luxury in those days put it right up there with the latest model of Mercedes or a diamond tiara or a round the world cruise on the QE2 or a week in a private lodge in the Kruger Park you can think of your own it was an extravagant luxury but his love is more delightful than all of these the love of King Jesus do you know that? do you really know that? I think that maybe some of us here today maybe don't know that we're frightened too and we're frightened because we've been hurt in the past by parents a man, a husband, child we're too frightened to let anyone love us like that again so we keep everyone at a distance including King Jesus those wounds they go so deep we cannot let God love us and we keep him at a distance we put up the walls to keep God out but our bride says his love is more delightful than wine so if I asked you to describe the love of God today what would you say because the Bible says that the love of God surpasses infinitely surpasses the best human love on this earth infinitely surpasses that's my prayer for us through these studies in Song of Songs that we'll come to know that love in a deeper way and we'll find those walls coming down the barriers that we've put up will just melt away and we'll know and experience the overwhelming love of God in a way we haven't before that's my prayer for us all that we'll let God love us like that we'll let him speak to us like that let him heal us we'll let him take our sins away our hurt and our pride we'll let him wash our feet and cleanse us and forgive us we'll let him carry our burdens we'll let him set us free so that we can love others like he loves us just like the wine was an intoxicating luxury it's intoxicating it's exhilarating wine it takes over that's how our bride describes the love of God elsewhere um, King David in Psalm 63 verse 3 says because your love is better than life my lips will glorify you I will praise you as long as I live 
and in your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with the richest of food. With singing lips my mouth will praise you. This is what our bride is saying. She's saying there's no other love like yours. It's better than wine. It's better than any food or any drink or any luxury. It's better than anything else this whole world has to offer. It's better than any relationship. Better than any experience. It's so deeply satisfying, there's nothing like it. If you come to know it, it's more deeply satisfying than the greatest pleasures this life affords. It's better than anything that's precious to you. Better even than the best marriage, the best friendship, better than the best children, the best grandchildren. It's better than the best sunrise, the best sunset, the best music, the best candlelight supper, the best holiday, the most beautiful garden. It's better than the best game drive, the best horse ride, the best beach, the best wedding, the best dress, the love of God. Ladies, is better than all of these rolled into one. No wonder the young women love you. Yes, wow. The bride says, and then, because a love like this demands a response, she says, take me away with you. Come, let us hurry. Let the king bring me into his chambers. Take me away with you, she says. Well, with a love like that, the bride doesn't want to be anywhere else. She just wants to be where he is. She just wants to be with him. Why? Because his love is more delightful than wine. Not her love for him, but his love for her. That's why she wants to be around him. The bride wants this wonderful love of the king. Notice she asked to go into the king's chambers this means they're his personal quarters they're not rooms in the palace where anyone could go they're his personal rooms where it's private and personal it's all knowing it's intimate she apparently has access to the king in this personal intimate way It's not like the other courtiers who have access to the king in the banqueting hall or the other formal rooms of the palace. But here's the thing. She says, take me away with you. You see, she cannot go unless the king allows her, unless he draws her. Perhaps that reminds you of another king in John chapter 6 who says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. 
And in the song, the bride says, let us hurry. You can just imagine them running away together, can't you? It's, it's urgent. There's a need. There's no half-hearted commitment here. It's urgent. It's not divided loyalty. It's, it's full-on devotion. It's not, I'm running after him, but I'd rather be somewhere else or with someone else or doing something else. It's undivided. It's loyal. It's urgent. It's purposeful. So as I close, do you respond like that when the Lord draws you? Do you hear him calling you morning by morning? But you ignore him? Are you divided in your loyalty? Do you worship him begrudgingly, half-heartedly, thinking about other things, the mind distracted, wrestling with your heart because you'd rather be somewhere else, because your heart is cold? I say these things, of course, because that's often me. Often my heart is cold and formal. Often I hear his voice drawing me, but I don't want to go. I don't run. I drag my feet. I find delays. I certainly don't often say, come, let us hurry. Friends, if we want to run towards Christ, if we want this wonderful love of God our Saviour, then we need to run away from anything that would hold us back. We need to run away and run with all our might from any relationship, any experience, any temptation, any of the pressing to-do lists. We need to run away from those things that would compete for our pure and holy passion for Christ. Take me away with you. Let us hurry, she says. Let the king bring me into his chambers. Do you see? And if we do this, we'll find what the bride finds, what the friends say. We rejoice and delight in you. We will praise your love more than wine. If we do this, we'll find, like the bride, great joy, great praise. Let's pray. Lord God, our Father in heaven, thank you for speaking to us today through this wonderful book, Song of Songs. Thank you for your great love for us. Love that is more delightful than anything or anyone this world has to offer. Thank you that you know us so well and everything about us and yet you love us so much. Father, we just thank you for the wonderful love that you have for your people. Please, Father, take us away with you and let us hurry. Help us to run after you 
and never look back. We pray for Jesus' sake. Amen.